Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. In each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is co-founder of Monstrous Femme Films, Carly Boone. She is also the co-director of the short film Camp Calypso. Welcome to the show, Carly. Yeah. Hi, thanks for having me. We Thanks are so excited to talk to you because I love Monstrous Femme Films and I rep the sweatshirt I have from you guys all the time. <laughs> oh my god, I love that so much. You look so cute in it. <laughs> Thank you so much and for being so supportive of us throughout the past year. It's meant so, oh so much to us. Of course. And it was so funny. So you when you guys send when you guys send the merch, you have a really cute envelope with like a wax seal. And yes. my boyfriend saw it and he was like, I want a wax seal now. Oh my god. <laughs> He was very excited about it. That's yeah, amazing. we yeah, um, we like ordered a little custom one on Etsy. I think it's pretty cool. It's <laughs> so awesome. So cool. I love it. Um so Carly, how did you get into horror? So I don't my my horror journey has been kind of weird and like not really I don't I don't really like I can't really pinpoint a specific moment where I was like, "Oh my god, like I'm obsessed with this genre. Like, I love horror. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I never really had, like, a moment like that. It's just kind of been something that's built over time, and I've just kind of fallen in love with it over, like, many, many years of just loving film in general. Mm -hmm. My mom is really into horror, so I was kind of... I also, like, <laughs> my parents didn't really... um put like parental controls on any of the content that gotcha. I was watching as a kid. So I grew up with a lot of 
really gruesome horror and a lot of like very raunchy like adult comedies <laughs> in my, oh my life, God. which I think very much like speaks upon who I am now as a person. But <laughs> my mom was really into horror. Um, so I kind of just had stuff like put on in front of me. Like I saw The Ring when I was really young, The Grudge was a big one for me. I have like super vivid memories of like my brother and I making the like uh, sound like just literally like crab walking through the house, like trying to scare the shit out of one another. <laughs> okay, we just talked with, with Caitlin uh, Nelson about the grudge and uh, I uh, I would chase people around going oh like all the time after I saw that movie. So I love I love hearing this. Yeah, literally I thought it was so scary. So I did I did that with my brother all the time when we were growing up and yeah, I don't know. I just like I watched really dark horror when I was super young and um the movie that we're going to talk about today was one of the horrors that I grew up with. It's not a dark horror at all. It's like really ridiculous, but I thought it was really scary when I was a kid. So aside but. from the movie that we are going to talk about today, were there other films that uh, that really terrified you as a kid? Uh, I mean, you kind of talked a little bit about Grudge and Ring. Were there were there others? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I think if I hadn't picked Eight-Legged Freaks for this, I probably would have wanted to talk about The Ring just because that's mm. the only other one that's like so ingrained in my my brain like it was just oh, like that vhs video that is in that the the american version is the one that yeah. i grew up with by the way um but yeah that video just like rocked me to my core when i was a kid like i just thought it was so scary and the imagery was just it was like it's like this it almost reminds me of like this like expressionist like mm, mm -hmm. silent mm. film like I've I've been learning about German expressionism recently in Ooh, one of my classes cool. and that the video in the ring like really evokes that like horror um of the expressionist period really well and that's just kind of like what it reminded me of but yeah, I would say The Ring and The Grudge were, like, the two that really, really got to me. I don't know why they're both, like, J-horror uh, remakes, but, <laughs> yeah, those are probably the two that, um, like, come most to mind besides the movie we're going to be talking about today. Cool. And so, like, as an adult, what draws you to horror now? So, what I now enjoy most about horror is and I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way but I love like the social commentary yeah yeah aspect of it and I love the way that you're able to explore anxieties or your own kind of like mental health issues or mm. just I don't know just all of this like inner turmoil that you have that you're able to kind of explore through the medium of horror. I really, really love that. And I love um, also just like the, I don't know, like the visual opportunities that horror presents just because it is that genre where it's kind of like anything goes, like you can really do anything with it. And I know a lot of people would probably argue that that's the case for a lot of genres, but I just really don't feel like any other genre besides horror opens up 
it just opens up all of these doors. Like you can have like really dark, gruesome, disgusting horror. You can have bright, fun, campy, hilarious horror. Like there's just so many things you can do with it. And there's a horror film for like any mood that you're in, any kind of world you want to be taken to. There's a horror film for that. It's so elastic, the genre of horror. It's it just and you're you're perfectly like encapsulating what makes it so interesting is that it can be such a wide, wide range of, of feelings that you can that you can get from watching a horror movie. And I I agree. I love that about it. Yeah, absolutely. I just think there's I think especially as like you know, a young filmmaker who's kind of like wanting to explore. I think horror is such a fun genre to kind of explore what themes you want to examine in your films or just kind of what visuals you're drawn to, just because it is that genre where, like I said, anything kind of goes and you can do anything. So I think it's a really fun um, genre to play around with when you're just kind of just first diving into filmmaking. I feel like we talked about that with a lot of filmmakers, how horror is a really good kind of gateway into filmmaking because there aren't as many rigid genre rules and it's kind of just like whatever you want and it can be so flexible and it is, it seems like a really amazing way to get into filmmaking kind of like be really creative too. Cause like anything goes in horror, you can do whatever you want. Really. <laughs> There's like, you don't have to really fall into like, a realistic narrative all the time. So it does seem like a really great way to play with filmmaking. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, there's a reason why a lot of like young film students, like <laughs> they go the horror route when they're first yeah. starting out, just because it's, it is um, like, there obviously are certain genres within horror that have more of a format. Like, you know, there's like, slasher films yeah. and there's creature features and a lot of those will have like their own kind of like three-act structure kind of thing that you want to follow mm -hmm. for those different um like sub-genres but beyond that i i think it's really really freeing and um yeah just like you can explore and i i love that about it and i i hope to explore every like crevice and every type of horror film um throughout my my career <laughs> well the other thing that you kind of mentioned was that uh there are subgenres and they you know have their own you know three-act structure but what i think is so fun is when you start to like merge those and we'll talk about that a bit with the movie you chose today but the way that you can take a creature feature say and you can add like a comedic bent to it and that just completely changes the way you 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 represent the film and i i think that that is that's what's so exciting when you, when you start to see the way that uh, some filmmakers take, well, I want to make a slasher, but I want to make a comedy. Or I want to make a slasher that's a creature feature. I want to make a slasher that also is aquatic horror. The way you can like sort of incorporate all of those different things in, and it changes how you how you tell the story. I think that's so. I think it's so fascinating. Yeah, and I was gonna say, Carly, I can see it in your work, like that kind of like. And we'll talk about this in a little bit when we're talking about like your process, but you, you really do that with Kim Calypso, especially and that kind of like, oh, it kind of looks like a slasher, but actually it's not. Yeah, totally. I, I think in any, any work that I create going forward, I, I want that kind of genre 
um bending a little bit maybe not mm. genre bending but like the combination of like all these different subgenres of horror like you said camp calypso is like it's a slasher but it's a creature feature and it's a rape revenge film and it's like all of these different things wrapped up into one and that is like it's unique because it's a combination of all of these different elements with some you know new unique elements thrown in there as well um and I think, like, honestly, like, the horror comedy subgenre is definitely what interests me the most because I just think cool. fear and comedy, I don't, like, <laughs> I just feel like they're so interlinked. Like, they're just, there's, like, these primal responses that you have when you're watching something scary and when you're watching something funny and a lot of the times things that are scary are also funny if you look at them from a different perspective. So I think I, I love uh, like comedy and horror together and how they kind of speak to each other. And I definitely want to incorporate that into everything that I do. So what would be your favorite horror comedy or one of them? I know it's kind of hard to pick, <laughs> but. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know we've kind of beat this horse to death at this point but mary lou prom night 2 is one of my my favorites that one is just it's it blends those (laughs) so perfectly together i also love um like evil dead is great um i'm also really into body horror like 80s campy like body horror movies hell yeah Um, i just watched killer clowns recently which i thought was great oh it's so good (laughs) so good oh my god it's ridiculous (laughs) i don't i mean there's just so much like uh frank hennenlauter um like frankenhooker brain damage that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. is like basket case yeah yeah, i actually haven't seen basket case yet that the whole trilogy is next on my list for sure but yeah yeah i would say like frankenhooker brain damage um just because they kind of like incorporate that like grotesque body horror, but it's also so like it's just so ridiculous <laughs> that it definitely leans more to like the comedy side. Have you seen the Blob, the Blob remake from yes. the eighties? Um, yeah, yeah, that was another <laughs> the nineteen eighty Blob. Um, nineteen eighty six Society is a great oh, yeah. one. Oh my god, <gasps> I just watched Society for the podcast for the first time, and that movie is everything. It's insane, <laughs> it's so oh ridiculous. God. It's literally so good. But yeah, like, uh, like the stuff too. I feel like all of those. Films oh my god, are like very much in the same vein. I I'm obsessed with anything from the eighties. Really, like that is one hundred percent the decade I'm most drawn to. But, like, cool. if you give me an 80s body horror comedy, like, I'm so happy with that. <laughs> Do you ever still feel that childhood horror when you watch, like, the childhood fear when you're watching horror now? Not really. <laughs> yeah. No. I have, <laughs> I, I honestly, even when I was a kid, Besides, like, the few movies that I mentioned to you guys, I really, like, didn't get super scared of stuff. Oh, um, okay. And especially, like, now that I'm adult, an adult, I really... There's only been a few movies where I've just kind of, like, had to maybe look away because, like, the imagery was too much. But it was never okay. because I was, like, 
oh my god, I have to turn the lights on. Like, I'm scared that there's a shadow in my kitchen staring at me. Like, I've never, I never have that experience with horror anymore. And I okay. wish I did. Um, because I, I, I love that feeling of being scared and like the adrenaline it gives you. But yeah, I just, I don't feel it a ton anymore. And I really, what I love about horror now is, like I said, just like the social commentary it provides. And honestly, like, I really am attracted to like a lot of the visuals of horror. And I just think Mm -hmm. it's really, there's some really gorgeous horror movies out there. Even society, it's gross, but it's beautiful in a lot of ways. There's some really beautiful cinematography in it. And I watch it definitely more for like the um, artistic appreciation and for like the entertainment value rather than like, I want to go in and I just want to feel fear because I that's really hard for me to evoke at this point now that I've watched so much horror. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have the same experience. It's like yep. very hard to be scared. But um, what were some of the movies that made you look away in terms of visuals? Do you remember any of them? One that I mean, I just recently watched that I can think of was like Possessor. If you oh. guys saw that. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The brand new Cronenberg film. Um yeah, that <laughs> I think that was like I love body horror, like I said, but that was there was some violence in there that I was just having a hard time watching mm. all the way through. I think it was like that very first uh, scene where they're just like stabbing the guy in the stomach. Oh yeah, and it just mm, yeah. Oh, oh, that one was getting to me, and I had to cover my eyes for a second. But it's really. More than, like, <laughs> it's kind of funny because more than just getting, like, scared, I get, like, nauseous at stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, I get a very, like, physical, like, gagging reaction if I see stuff oh. like that. Or, like, I really don't like um, when animals get killed in movies, which is mm-hmm. hilarious knowing the movie that I picked today. <laughs> no, I was going to say. But that's definitely... that really is like one of the only things now where i'm just like okay i'm tapping out like i can't watch this dog getting like brutalized i just can't do it (laughs) transitioning into your creative endeavors um can you tell us a little bit about monstrous femme films yeah so um monstrous femme films is a um, femme-led horror collective um that i co-founded with Hannah Mae Cumming and Emma Cogan, I think, like, uh, when was it? 20, 2018, I think, is when we established it. Um, but yeah, so basically, um, we've created two short films together um, with this collective. And ever since the pandemic, um, we've kind of had to push off some of our new film projects that we've been developing and just kind of... We've just been kind of steering into more of the like content creation and just trying to um, really get in touch with like the horror community like you guys um, and just trying to really like network and just make a ton of really cool connections in the horror community right now. And I think that's really like our main focus at the moment. And hopefully by the end of the year, we'll be able to like really dive back into making films which is like the original reason that we wanted to create this collective was because we want it to be a place for um 
you know, women and like non-binary people who are interested in exploring the horror genre to do so in a safe space with, you know, a, a crew that is going to be respectful and um, just we just want to bring like like-minded young up-and-coming horror creatives together. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> I can't wait to see like what you guys do because the two shorts that you have are really amazing. So it's so exciting to see like to watch you guys grow. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 really excited for some of the stuff we have coming up. Um Hannah uh she's uh working on Baby Fever, which is uh, our next short that we'll be developing and uh Emma and I have some scripts that we're writing that we hope to film the next in the next couple of years and yeah it's kind of um we kind of want to do like an anthology thing a little bit like hannah is really really inspired by um like the goosebumps kind of format i think that's kind of that's kind of been how we've looked at like our short films um we love incorporating like we love the three act structure. We want it to feel like you're watching like a really mini condensed feature film with an actual narrative arc and like an ending and you know like the characters are actually growing and changing over the course of the film, which is super challenging to do in like a 20 25 minute um format, but you watch um old you know anthology shows like goosebumps and they did it and they did it really well and um i think that's something that we are definitely trying to achieve with our work is just kind of having like we want to explore all of these different subgenres of horror but kind of spin like a feminist lens onto them and just kind of you know put like a new unique perspective on these old horror genres that are very much rooted in like misogyny and just like yeah. <laughs> not really they don't really have like the greatest um depictions of women all the time so i think that was definitely something that like originally um inspired us to um create this film collective and make these films so kind of uh going off of that can you talk a little bit about uh your the short film that you that you co-directed camp calypso because it seems to uh exemplify everything that you just had said so i'm just kind of curious uh if you can like share with our listeners what it's about and kind of talk about that yeah totally so camp calypso is a camp slasher creature feature um about a newcomer to the camp her name is margot And um, she comes to Camp Calypso in the year of 1978. And over the course of her being there, she learns about this legend at the camp of um, sirens or a siren that lives in the lake at the camp. And over the course of the film, um, we get some flashbacks from the camp 15 years earlier. And you kind of, over the course of the film, piece together alongside Margot what is actually happening at the camp and trying to uncover um, that maybe this isn't just a legend and maybe there's some actual truth to the siren. And yeah, I I really love Camp Calypso because I think it, like I said, it it really just evokes all of the different 
things that we wanted to do. We wanted to explore like the rape revenge genre and the camp and like the camp slasher genre, like Friday the 13th was obviously a very big inspiration mm-hmm. to us. But we also mm-hmm. wanted to have this creature. So it's just it's like <laughs> all of these different things that we wanted to do. We were really it kind of just started because we were like, oh, my God, how fucking fun would it be to make a camp movie? Like we had this big group of friends and we were all we had all made Fanatico together and it was just so much fun. And we finished that and we had been filming it over like many, many months, just a few days here and there. And we were just having so much fun doing it. And we were like, Oh my God, we need to do this like again. And we need to do, we need to make this feel like a summer camp. And that's exactly what we did. We shot it in eight days and we had wow. like one night where we were literally filming until like 3 a.m. and everyone camped out afterwards. And oh. oh, that's so it was, cool. It was a really, really amazing experience. I would not have traded it for the world. It literally felt like we were all at summer camp for like two straight weeks. So it was it was so fun. <laughs> that's amazing. And so I really love the use of the siren. Like, sirens are so cool to me um so why did you choose the siren as your creature i feel like i haven't seen a lot of movies with the siren either so it's so cool to see that creature yes oh my god i feel like they're being slept on especially because so originally what our name monstrous femme films comes from is the monstrous feminine which is a book by barbara creed that i believe came out in like the 70s and -hmm. in this book she outlines all of these different tropes of the monstrous feminine and how um, this idea is raised in horror. So there's like, oh man, I can't remember what it's called in the book. But basically, we were idea we were interested in this idea of the siren as you know. Obviously, she's like this feminine force who lures men in with her beauty and her sexuality and um you know like the siren would lure sailors in with their beauty and their siren song and lure them to their deaths and i think we were just really interested in that but we were we kind of wanted to spin it and not have it be in like an ocean setting we wanted to make it in a lake setting so we kind of our siren is kind of like a siren swamp monster combo. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. Have you seen the movie The Siren? I have not. No. It's really good. It just came out, I think, this year or last year. And it's not the same, but it's got a similar like siren in the lake. And you should check it out. It's really, really good. Oh, okay. Um, I think I did hear yeah. that. Yeah, but I haven't gotten around to checking it out. But yeah, when we yeah. were doing research, um, it was kind of hard finding, like, we knew what we wanted our siren to look like, but it was pretty hard finding other examples of it in film. And honestly, mm-hmm. like, when we were trying to develop, we wanted, we knew we wanted, like, a siren song. And we were trying to find examples of it. And if you guys have heard of that TV show, Siren, it's on like the CW or something. But we were, (laughs) we literally could not figure out what we wanted to do for the Siren song for the longest time. So 
there was just like the theme from that TV show in our <laughs> our edit for like the longest time <laughs> just just as like a filler because we could not find any other examples that we liked of <laughs> siren songs and even when we were trying to um thankfully we had a very very talented um makeup like special effects makeup artist who designed all of he custom made all of the siren prosthetics and everything himself Ooh. so he had a really great idea of what he wanted the siren to look like any of which was just really helpful honestly because i don't i think if he hadn't it would have been tough to figure out exactly how he wanted it to look speaking of the music though it also has a really, really catchy uh, campfire song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who, 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 how did you come up with that? I, I loved it. I was like humming it after the right? short it's was so over. catchy. Oh my God. Thank you. I think I literally, I remember when we were filming that scene and I just like was over, I walked over to our script supervisor, Alex, and I just like was crying. I was like, I literally feel like I'm back at Girl Scout camp right now. <laughs> like it was emotional. And he was, he used to be a camp counselor too. So we all literally were like, oh my God, the nostalgia. Um, but the campfire song was written by our um, good friend, Nick McClurg. He just like, wrote up the lyrics and some chords and just like sent us over a little recording and um he sent that over to the actor who plays dean eric norseth who's also he's a musician he has a ton of bands so he like picked it up really quickly and he did a great job performing it and then in the end during the credits it's actually nick who wrote the song who's singing it and um playing guitar and that was like recorded way after when we were editing and um my partner Rudy produced it. It's it's so fucking catchy. <laughs> it literally doesn't make any sense. Like if you listen to the lyrics, the lyrics don't make any sense like at all. But I agree, it's so catchy and it was stuck in my head for like six months straight. <laughs> So we have talked about your creative endeavors, but what movie did you bring with you today, Carly? So today I brought Eight-Legged Freaks 2002. The most 2002 movie. Literally, yeah. There's not a more (laughs) early 2000s horror movie than this one, I think. So for those of you unfamiliar, um, after a long absence, Chris McCormick, played by the amazing David Arquette, uh, returns to his quiet hometown of Prosperity, Arizona to reopen his late father's minds. However, a chemical spill and lethal toxic waste have created an unstoppable army of giant (laughs) spiders, turning Prosperity into an endless buffet. And now it's up to Chris, Sheriff Sam Parker, her son, Mike, Sam's pucky daughter, Ashley, who was played by a young Scarlett Johansson, a conspiracy theorist, and a handful of (laughs) survivors to stop the hairy menace and save the town. But who can stand in the way of the disgusting eight-legged freaks? (laughs) Thank you, IMDb. Thank you. IMDb's synopses are so fucking good. They're ridiculous. (laughs) They really are. It's. I think they're just written by random people, but they always do they such a good job. They're always entertaining. They really do. Um, so, Carly, tell us about the first time you saw this movie. What happened? What were the like 
repercussions of seeing it. Tell us your horror story about eight-legged freaks. Okay. So I I just have a bad memory and I really cannot pinpoint like the first time I ever saw this. And also I think this show was like played just a lot on TV when I was a kid because I feel like I saw this movie at least 10 times when I was growing <laughs> up. Like just bits and pieces. I saw the whole thing multiple times. And it was just kind of, like, always on. It's not really one of those movies where my parents were, like... I mean, not that my parents were really worried about anything I was watching at that point, to be quite honest. But <laughs> it was definitely not so dark and uh, or, like, raunchy or anything like that to where they um, had to get me away from the screen. So I've I've just seen this so many times. Like, we would watch it, like while we're eating dinner and stuff just like it was in the background <laughs> but i have a few like moments from it that have just been so stuck in my head like my whole life um really the one part of this film that i could not get out of my head was the cat in the drywall <laughs> oh my god i'm so excited you brought that up because it was cracking me the fuck up. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Watching it back a few days ago, I was like, why was I scared of this? This is like Garfield level level fucking ridiculous. Oh, no. Like literally the cat and the spider are like getting thrown into the drywall and they're there's, fucking like, wrestling. It's literally the wall. They're, they're wrestling <laughs> and like the I love the little outlines of the cat when it's getting thrown in the drywall and it's like I don't know, like these snapshots of it making these these crazy expressions and like, oh my god, it was so campy and just like hilarious when I rewatched it. But that really, and like I said, I'm I'm just I'm an animal lover and I don't like violence upon animals in horror. So I watched that as a kid, you know, having like a ton of pets, and I was just like, nope. I can't do this right here. Like this and same same with like the ostrich farm scene. Literally all these animals are just getting destroyed in this movie. And I think really like watching it back, I was like, yeah, this is definitely it was not the spiders at all. Like I I don't have arachnophobia wow. in the slightest. I'm not scared <clears throat> of spiders at all. My partner is terrified of them. And he didn't he did not rewatch this with me the other night. <laughs> The ostrich farm part is so funny, and I, I this is the first time I've watched it, so that's why I thought it was funny because they can't, like they get pulled into the ground like oh my god reverse I know plants <laughs> like just like puffs of feathers coming up. What I what I love about the ostrich farm sequence is is the way it's shot. The composition of it is so is so good. Where you have like the mayor Wade, he's walking through the 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 uh, the. the uh, the pen with mm -hmm. his with a shotgun and it, he's in the background and the foreground is like this ostrich that's just sort of standing there like it's you see its neck and head and then all of a sudden it's like whoa and gets like pulled under with a burst of feathers and every time that happens it's all it's yeah it's like it's like reverse plants are just getting like sucked into the ground and it made me laugh every single time yeah <laughs> or like there's all these other parts in the movie where people are getting you know ripped apart or eaten or whatever and it'll be like 
like from off camera there's like a shoe that gets thrown into frame and it's just covered in webbing like <laughs> that's that's the kind of shit that i am just a hundred percent here for is just like the ridiculous campiness of just like <laughs> i don't even know just yeah like ripping someone apart and within 10 seconds they're just completely like covered all of their limbs are covered in webbing <laughs> yes so but when you were when you were a kid uh watching this was it was it just the fact that these animals were getting hurt was that the part that like really affected you because you said that the the spiders never bothered you yeah i mean i'm sure when i was younger the spiders bothered me a little bit mm. more but really yeah i i would say more than anything it was like the cat in the drywall i just like could not do it that part scared the shit out of me and then really, like, I don't know, maybe, like, the dirt bike scene got me a little bit, like, with the jumping spiders when they're oh, yeah. just oh, taking the guys yes. down off the dirt bikes. That was a little scary to me. <laughs> but really, I think even when I was a kid, like, I could recognize that a lot of this was supposed to be right. comedic and not necessarily, like, fingernail biting, like, scary you know the thing that um that the the cat scene really i think works really well is that the way it's it's set up where it almost feels like it is a horrific moment where the the mom the lady is like reaching into the the place where the cat food is and there's a spider that's like slowly inching towards her hand and then they're trying to offer the food to the cat and you hear him go mm -hmm. and it almost establishes <laughs> like you're going to get like a jump scare or that something terrifying is going to leap out of there. But no, instead they are fucking Kung Fu <laughs> wrestling. Like I, at one point the cat makes a Kung Fu noise. Like it's going, Hiya! like <laughs> it just like continues up the wall and into the ceiling. And just the way that that, inverses the expectations of like oh god there's gonna be a spider that jumps out of here or something scary is gonna happen but it builds that suspense but then it releases it with it with the gag is just i think it's so so brilliant i love that sequence i think the kills in this movie are just so much fun like the the human yeah. kills and also the spider kills like I I love the moment at the end where um the I think his name is Pete. He's one of the cops. He's like trapped. Oh, Pete. He's trapped behind um like the it's like these metal gates that are in the mall and there's yeah. a spider trying to get to him and he grabs his chainsaw and he oh, just I chainsaws all of the legs <laughs> off and there's like all Gets of goo this... in his face yes oh my god the green goo in this movie is oh, so green good goo. i'm obsessed with it like i literally love all of the moments where the spiders get shot or explode because i just am obsessed with the green goo <laughs> Well, and like, so talking about the green goo and also the cat making the hi-ya noise, I love how all of a sudden the spiders start making humanoid screams. Yes. <laughs> like, they yes. sound like people. And it's so, it makes their, like, the kills even funnier because they're like, ah! It's just like, what? Totally. This is so ridiculous, but it's so funny. Like, it just works with the movie. It's insane. I love it. Yeah, um, I actually read right before, um, or right after I watched the movie again, um, I can't remember his name, but 
they actually had like a voice actor come in and like record all of the sound effects oh. for the spiders and he <laughs> he um he did voice work for like the Simpsons and Futurama so you Whoa. I feel like knowing that you can totally watch it again and be like okay yeah that's totally they're like they had a person come in and make these noises specifically for like a it to give off a comedic effect because they're like like I don't know just making all these like hilarious little squeaking noises the yes. whole time and it really like it gives the spiders character for sure and it just I love that contrast of like you've got this scary ominous orchestral music in the background but then all these little like spider sounds that are like not really what spiders spiders don't make sounds like what (laughs) also okay so terry yes you all have pretty bad arachnophobia yes i do oh my god i saw that last night terry i'm so sorry Uh, there's no reason for you to have known this, Carly, but this uh, arachnophobia, the movie, is actually sort of the reason that this podcast kind of started to get off the ground, because that movie terrified me as a kid <laughs> uh, to no end. And I do have um, – I have severe arachnophobia to the point where I can't I, I can't look at pictures of real spiders that just – it freaks me out. Um, so even like knowing that it's not real, it's just a picture, I still can't look at it. It gives me – it makes me nauseous. It makes me really terrified. Um, oh, so I was not looking forward to revisiting this movie only because – like here's the thing. Um, I think that it's 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 real spiders that really affect me. So the opening scene of this movie I think is the most terrifying 10 minutes of, of cinema that I've seen this year, probably <laughs> with uh, the exotic spider farm. Yes. It is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that. <laughs> and I'm like, I do not. Okay. This is one kid in a horror movie that I do not relate to. And I never would have related to as a kid because he has fucking pictures of spiders on his wall. I'm like, no, you are weird. I do not like you. Um, but <laughs> he goes to this, <laughs> this exotic spider farm and the scene is good in one way because it open it establishes all of the, the, the spiders that we're going to see through the movie. So like they talk about jumping spiders, orb weavers, black widow, tarantulas, trapdoor, Australian funnel web, spitting spiders. It like shows out all of these spiders, which first of all, I didn't realize there's that many variety of spiders and now I'm even more terrified, but <laughs> you don't need to know, just don't look into it any further. <laughs> but that whole scene is, is, is still, I remember seeing this movie in the theaters and I remember I can't remember if I was the one that pushed people to go see it or people like dragged me to go see it. I honestly don't remember, but I remember being terrified in the opening scene and basically watching it through uh, my my fingers because I don't like looking at real spiders. And I had the same reaction watching this movie last night where it's like this first 10 minutes. I was itchy. I was covering my eyes. I was fine when they were like the CG little spiders, like little orb weavers that are webbing up some insect. I was fine with that. But that tarantula that gets out and then again is on the guy's back. Like, I I cannot tell you how many movies we've watched recently where there's like a surprise tarantula. And I'm like, no, I can't stand this. I don't like this, guys. <laughs> I texted Terry. I was like, how are you doing? <laughs> like, are you? <laughs> I was like, how was it? How was the experience? <laughs> but once we get past that opening scene, and this was the same way when I was when I was younger, I would have been when did this come out? 2002. So I would have been 20. I would have been 21 when I saw it. 
Uh, so back when, when I first saw it, I was fine after that scene because then it kind of goes into that, like, I would say Ron Howard mocap, uh, Polar Express, like uncanny Valley where it's like, it's not realistic enough for me to really be afraid by it. So by that point, I'm just having a lot of fun with these giant spiders that are killing people and making gremlin esque noises. But that early opening still, I can't. I can't handle it. Yeah, I like I, <laughs> I can totally understand that. I I I feel like I would agree. I I definitely do not have arachnophobia like you do, but I can definitely understand like I I do think the real spiders are like way grosser to look at than the yeah. the CG ones. Even though I will say Upon rewatching this, I was pretty impressed with how the CGI had aged. Okay, seriously. Like I yeah. I'm definitely more of a practical effects person just yep. because it's timeless and it ages so well, but I really I I didn't feel like there were many shots of these spiders where I was like, okay, that looks really fucking fake. Like I think they did a pretty good job and I actually read that they did like seven months of pre-production and did yeah. like some on-location stuff with the VFX artists before they even started filming this, which I think definitely helped them in the long run make sure that like it looked as realistic as I think they were able to achieve in 2002. Well, one of the notes that I wrote down is that in some ways the special effects look better than some of the special effects we get today. Like they might not be as like high def, but in terms of the way the spiders are interjected into the scenes and the way people are interacting with them, it feels a lot more realistic than a lot of movies that I've that I've seen recently with, that use uh, a lot of CGI. Yeah, absolutely. I think the trick with CGI is just not showing everything all the time. Like, mm -hmm. I really yeah. don't like when CGI is so detailed, so in your face. Like, oh, man, I watched the third Jurassic Park a few months ago, and <laughs> I truly despised the CGI in that film because it was like these close-ups of these CGI characters, and there's just... There was no way during that time that you could make that look really, really realistic. So I think the really what I commend the um, director and the VFX artists of Eight-Legged Freaks for is actually understanding like how to compose a shot with CGI characters to make them fit well within the, the scene and not look fake and not show mm -hmm. so much of them that there's so much detail that you can pick out and it just it ends up yeah like not looking realistic this is your first time watching this right mary beth um what was, it was what did you think about it this movie is so much fun like i yeah. loved it because i never i've heard i had heard of it but never saw it because i didn't realize it was comedy and like when i was younger i was like mm, no spiders no thank you and then I was so excited that you picked this, Carly, because I was I was like, I need to watch this movie. And it's the most 2002 movie. That is not a bad thing. And it is this amazing combo of comedy and horror. And I also discovered a very new fear from this movie. And it is being <laughs> trapped in a fucking cocoon. Or oh, my a, like, God. Yeah. If if <sighs> uh, if killer clowns hadn't already um, <laughs> yeah. like solidified for that, that for me, <laughs> I think this definitely did. <laughs> 
Like, and so this is so funny because I'm watching this anime called Demon Slayer. And that day I had watched an episode where people get trapped in webs and are getting like dissolved into food. And then I watched this and I'm like, you know what? I never really thought about it, but getting trapped by a spider is fucking gross. And then all I could think about too was Lord of the Rings when Frodo gets into the, <laughs> the cocoon and oh, gets yeah, poisoned. Yeah. And I was just like, that sounds like my worst nightmare. And thank God that, like, pretty sure that'll never happen to me. But <laughs> oh, the. <laughs> Look, I'm never going to say never. Who knows? But all the anxiety, like, I'm like rubbing my hands together at like the anxiety of that. It's just, oof, it's so gross. Um, but I wanted to go back to what you were saying about the CGI because. The scariest scene to me was when the guy is in the mine with the hose and like Oh my god, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, I no. I, he's like <laughs> I think he's he's doing something with his the hose. I don't exactly I don't, know what he's doing. I could not doing. figure out what he was doing. I was like why is he sucking on this with his mouth? I couldn't figure yeah. out. <laughs> I don't know anything about copper mines. No, exactly. I was like, are you trying to start something? I don't know. But then when they all go in his mouth, and I thought it would just be one, but he opens it and like a There's ton like of them 50. come out of his mouth. His face is so good when he just is standing there like shocked. And just, I like, know. That moment of stillness is even better just because it's not like an immediate storm of spiders, but he's just like, oh no. And then all of these spiders crawl out of his mouth. And they make the most adorable noises, which just like compounds the <laughs> nightmarishness of the situation. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's just like these scenes are just so good. I I didn't think I was realize how much I was gonna love this movie, but I had such a good time watching <laughs> such a good time watching it. It's ridiculous. I'm so glad. Um, I felt the same way when I was rewatching it. I was literally just watching it completely by myself, but I'm I'm totally the person that like is talking out loud to the TV like the whole time I watch a movie. Uh-huh. So I'm like literally sitting there by myself like, what? Oh my God, this is so fucking funny. Like just. I know. I was like, when he sucked the spiders up, I went like, ah! like I was screaming to myself and just like having a blast. It Imagine was watching that in the theater though. That's, that's the thing. Cause oh, like, I would have loved oh. to. This was, this was a great experience in the theater, but what's funny. And this is something that I didn't realize. I, I remember watching this movie and I remember the opening scene and I remember, uh, the trap door spiders because that is a terrifying idea. Like it's executed very funny. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of silly the way it, it does it, but like the idea of this giant spider hiding under the ground and then just like whoop, you're gone, is actually kind of terrifying when you think about it. And I don't like to think that these things are real and they exist because they do. Um, but I don't could remember. It. Nope, they don't exist. Don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> but I couldn't remember anything else about this movie. And so last night when I when I tweeted that I was watching this, a friend of the show, Freddie Carlini, who is one of the uh, developers of the mixtape massacre board game and he was also on episode 25 listeners if you haven't listened to him yet you should go listen to that episode um but he mentioned on twitter that it's it's based on a short film and um i had completely forgotten that it was based on a short film I was like oh i didn't know that and he sent me the link and i watched it and the moment that i started watching the short film all of these memories started coming back to me because mm. i remember getting this blue this dvd and it was back in the early 2000s and i it, you know special effect special features on dvds were such a big thing at that time that it had 
Oh, I miss that so much. Yeah, and it had the short film on it that that he did back in 1998. He's a New Zealand director, and he made it over New Zealand. And it's basically it's black and white. It's filmed with this woman who is battling a giant spider in her house, and it's it's so good. And the fact that it's made 1998, and there's like you know both puppetry and some computer graphics to make the spider. It's it's so good. And I I was watching this, and I was like, oh shit. I remember watching this back on on the the DVD, and I remember showing it to a lot of my friends. I even texted my brother and was like, "Hey, do you remember this short?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, you used to show that to me all the time." <laughs> like, you I was obsessed. <laughs> I was obsessed with this with this movie as as a, apparently when I was twenty one, and I have no recollection of that now <laughs> until I saw this short film. That is so funny. I I actually did not know that this was inspired by a short film until I actually saw that same response that you're talking about. And I also went back and I rewatched it. And I, it's really funny because the, I mean, really the short and the feature don't really have anything to do with Mm -hmm. each other, except the fact that they're about giant spiders. Um, But I really liked the short because it really, it kind of leaned more into that, like, science experimenty like b movie aesthetic a lot more than eight-legged freaks ended up um doing but yeah i i i loved the short film i would have been interested to see how they could have um like it would have been cool to see eight-legged freaks take even more inspiration from that short film like i don't think black and white really would have flown in the early 2000s, <laughs> no. but I I really like how they um, leaned into e- like even in the the feature film they still really lean into the like the whole B movie aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. So the movie, uh, I mean, Mary Beth, you mentioned you texted me last night how I was giving you Tremors vibes, and yes, yes, a hundred percent. I mean, it, it, to the point that like this takes place in prosperity arizona and tremors took place in perfection nevada so like there's obviously like a direct correlation that they're trying to you know pull from but this movie takes a lot of a lot of inspiration from a lot of movies from even back to the 50s like you were talking about carly with with sort of the the that big giant insect craze of the 50s with like them and tarantula Mm. and beginning of the end and earth versus a spider like these ideas of either some kind of nature reacting because I think one, the volcano erupts and, and like unleashes a swarm of something. And then a lot of them are, are based on like the nuclear, you know, fears of that time mm-hmm. creating giant versions of these insects. And even I think it's them that's on the screen uh, that uh, young Mike is watching when his mom is like, turn that shit off. Basically. Oh, I think that's them. Yeah. So like there's, there's like, it pulls all the way back to the 1950s where this giant, insect craze sort of kind of began but then it goes from there like with like what mary beth was saying with tremors and then from tremors i saw dawn of the dead just because they were in the mall like i'm pretty sure like that's the only reason i thought about that but like they were all fighting in a mall and the spiders are coming to get them so i was like this is such an interesting like homage to all of these films but also giving it kind of its own flair especially making it a comedy i know tremors was kind of funny oh it's a comedy this yeah, Tremors is a comedy, but so it was like a really cool melding of those those movies by also making something on its own, which was so fun to watch. I'm like, oh my god, Tremors! Oh my god, Dawn of the Dead! So 
Totally. I think there was also, I even saw um, like some Goonies in stuff in there with like them all kind of walking through the tunnels in the end or the like the mines. And also um, some of like the original It. Mm. Just like they get there and there's like the huge mother spider, whatever she Mm -hmm. is. And I, yeah, I feel like there was definitely some inspiration from these kind of like 80s. like, I don't know, like adventure movies a little yeah. bit, I guess you would describe them as. I forgot there was a big spider in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like that's like what Pennywise turns into at the I end. <laughs> I totally forgot that it was a fucking spider. The one in the original is fucking scary, though. Like, it's like a huge puppet yes. or something, I'm pretty sure. And it has all these, like, eyeballs. Very scary. <laughs> What I think is interesting, though, and I think this is this probably you guys are talking about how it it feels definitely pulled from the 80s. And I would say that this movie does a better job of homaging the 80s than a lot of the movies we've had recently that are, you know, definitely pastiches of the 80s, like Stranger Things and all that kind of jazz that we've been getting recently, where this is Mm -hmm. like it takes the stuff that we loved about the 80s and brings it up to. 2000s but the 80s also referenced a lot of the 50s movies and so they also referenced movies like that were them and and all of that kind of uh sci-fi stuff so the fact that we have the 50s influencing the 80s and this movie being kind of like an amalgamation of all of them is uh i think it's kind of fascinating that is really cool i never thought about that and like you said it doesn't try to be like super nostalgic and put in the 80s but like it's its own thing and takes those and takes those elements. So that's actually that's really cool. I didn't even think about that. Huh. The other thing kind of going off of Tremors that I uh, that sort of I wanted to talk about was the way that Tremors was what I really loved about Tremors. And I'm hoping that we'll get someone on this show to talk about that movie at some point uh, <laughs> Please. Is, the, is the way it built up its small cast of characters. And this movie does the same thing. Like every single character is kind of given their moment in the spotlight, whether that's being a really awesome death or whether that's like Aunt Gladys's every single single scene she's in. Like everyone is given these moments to shine. And I was kind of curious what you guys thought of the characters. Aunt Gladys is a fucking hero. Um, she doesn't really do anything heroic, but I just love her. And she when doesn't my do favorite... anything. <laughs> no, nothing. I just am obsessed with her. Like when he pulls her out of the cocoon and she immediately lights up. <laughs> oh my God. I know. I was like, you know what? Queen shit. Like it's so silly, but she just like whips out a cigarette and it's like, well, you know what? The brand is strong. It's And then the conspiracy theorist. I want to talk about Harlan because oh, yeah. he is wild. Truly. <laughs> he is the only person of color in this movie, but he does survive, which is great. I know that we know that in a lot of horror movies, the black characters are usually very beginning deaths, and he was great. One thing I did want to talk about with Harlan is the obsession with anal probes and aliens. Like, oh, yes. I still don't understand the fear of anal probes. Like, I know it's obviously a very homophobic thing, but good God. <laughs> The anal probe obsession. Yeah. Anyway, I, that's... <laughs> just wanted to bring that up. It's just like, <laughs> no, I know it's I... early 2000s and I know like that's a time where that was like a funny joke. But it's just oh, watching yeah. it now, I was like, this is the one thing that I'm like, why? Yeah, I I felt like upon rewatching this, I actually like had some issues with that character and just yep. the way he was being portrayed as like yep. this 
yeah, like he's the one black character in the whole film. He's literally like off his rocker, like conspiracy theorist. Like I know in the end he's kind of framed as like this hero, which I guess he is. But I think there's definitely some issues with that representation of like, I I felt like I I wrote a note down that he kind of reminded me of like the magical Negro stereotype mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just like I I just definitely thought there were some issues in that representation. I don't know if you guys saw the same thing. Oh, especially at the end where they zoom in on his mouth and like his gold teeth. Yep. And that's Which I also learned. don't understand. I didn't really understand what that was supposed to be implying. I know neither did I was like Well, you, it's supposed to imply cuz like the oh, the whole idea is that gold. there was the right cuz like gold in the Chris's mines. father was convinced there was a, a a gold vein in the mine and no one had ever seen it. And so his his final thing is that like yeah, the town I'm not going to tell you the town is rich, but I'm going to open my mouth you're going to see my gold teeth. So it's going to imply <laughs> that. But that's like yeah, that his character kind of on this rewatch kind of bothered me like he's he's very funny and he has the the actor in particular i think does a, a good job of portraying him it's just the the combination of like the one black character being also a conspiracy theorist who also leans into these sort of like stereotypes and then also is given the continuously running gag about being afraid of being anally probed where it's like at one point he even says yeah take anything of me but don't go there like it, it's this it's yeah. it's this idea that like yeah okay i i get it anal probing not exactly i don't want to be probed by aliens i mean i, I don't i think that's a general consensus that people probably do not want to be probed by aliens but it's the way that the the, the joke is used as like a, a gay panic feel of like oh you can do anything you want to me just don't go near my ass is is deeply problematic and watching it now is even more is even more so <laughs> yeah for sure um i do the one thing i do like is the cops who listen to, to his radio show and they show up oh my god like, we're here yeah. from tucson like we heard they were aliens i mean <laughs> i feel like if you know i feel like a lot of um events in the past few months have probably pointed that pointed to the idea that maybe a lot of cops are <laughs> interested in like conspiracy <laughs> theories and Alien Freak said a cab back in the early 2002s. Yeah, I I, I thought that was so funny. Um, Um, Another small character. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. The other small character I want to talk about is a young Scarlett Johansson. Yes, thank you for bringing her up finally. I could not believe Um, that she was in this. I was like, whoa. <laughs> no, guys, I literally when, forgot she was. Like, me I, too. I, I remember David Arquette, like, very vividly in yeah. my mind. But when Scarlett Johansson pulled that dirt biking helmet off, I literally gasped. I had no <laughs> recollection that she was in this movie at all. And she's fucking awesome in it. She's, like, an she's icon. She's fucking awesome. Like, when she just like casually tases her boyfriend in the balls for being a total prick yes. and he yes. pees his pants and she's like and then she abandons him and the spiders come like she is such a bad bitch literally like, so good i can't believe i didn't remember that 
she and she has the most two thousand early two thousands outfits, and I'm like, this is like style icon for me when I was a child. <laughs> if I had seen her, would have been like, yep, exactly, exactly what I want. Um, Plus, she would have been like seventeen or disgusting. Yeah, I, yeah. Can we talk about Brett? I do not like the fact that he is given a redemptive arc in this movie no. at all. <laughs> no, not deserving like, of just, it. No, I don't. That whole scene only... where he's like. You bring out the beast in me. I was like, ew. Ew. <laughs> ew. And then he's like, I was just copying a feel. I'm like, no, you you get tased. You get tased and you die. And I couldn't remember if he survived or not when I was watching this. And I just kept going, eat him, eat him. And then I know. I he wish survives they had. Ugh, and kind of saves this, the day at one point. And I'm like, no. Stupid dirt bike. <laughs> but Scarlett Johansson in this movie, regardless of her shitty on screen boyfriend amazing i love her in this and like you said terry she's what 17 or 18 yeah she was 17 or 18 when she filmed this because uh yeah and i was just like wow she's so she's so young (laughs) i know oh i love scarlett johansson there was also this this one moment with her that i really loved it was her and i think it's her and her mom and maybe david arquette they all get webbed like up against a wall and I don't know I was watching that and I was watching ScarJo just like get covered in this like white jet Mm. fluid like from the spider (laughs) and I was like this feels so sexual right now I don't know if that's what they were going for but I was like yeah wow this is uh provoking some like very nasty thoughts in my mind right now well, especially because she reaches for the taser, and she did that with her ex yeah. with her boyfriend. Yeah. So there's like this parallel like between it, that. It feels like these spiders are like sexually assaulting her a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and I she's t- naked. Like she's in a towel too. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, oh my god, oh weird. And it yeah. creeps into her bedroom, and we know that these spiders are male because there's a big you know, to mm-hmm. do about the fact that the the female spider is like the queen and she's giant. So like these are all male spiders and the fact that the webbing when it sprays out does not look like webbing initially. It looks yeah. it looks very liquidy. Yes. I had that <laughs> same that same jizz note going on. I was like, this is <laughs> Okay, good. I'm glad I wasn't the only one who was thinking of that. <laughs> I don't just have like a really dirty fucking mind. Terry, did you say jizz note? I did. <laughs> Cool. Okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure I heard you correctly. <laughs> that is what just I wrote down in my notes. Was perfect. Jizz. <laughs> yep. Perfect. Well, and I do think that like this this film does have that sort of subtle slash not subtle um, sexual content to it. Like there's one part where uh, Floyd, who I really want to talk about Floyd and the tent really fast. But before we get to that, he's walking through and he knocks over a mannequin and the mannequin, there's the stage shot of the mannequin falling into the lap of another mannequin. And it looks like the male mannequin is giving a female mannequin like head. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, so there's, <laughs> there are moments in this where it's like, Oh, you're trying to uh, incorporate some really sexual humor into a PG 13 movie here. Yeah, I feel like that was just kind of a thing in the early 2000s, especially. It's like, they gotta sprinkle some adult raunch in there, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even if it's PG-13. 
It's like subtle and scare quotes, subtle sexual humor. But then, okay, another one of my favorite scenes, Terry mentioned Floyd, is when he's walking and the tent is creeping up behind him. Yeah. And like those kinds of things are always like someone sneaking up. And then it's a a fucking spider when he turns around and it gets him. Like, talk about these kills being hilarious. Like, so creative. Every single one of them is so creative and fun. And like like we were talking about with small characters, like they all get this moment to shine. Like even if it's a death scene, I think Terry, yeah. you said that. Like they still get these really cool moments that stick out in your head. Yeah. So every, I everyone, really enjoy that. Everyone either gets like a really awesome death scene or they get to kill a spider in a really yeah. fucking great way. And I just uh, you talked about Pete. I just I love I love Pete. He's the the kind of deputy for uh sam and the moment when because it's his cat that gets killed in the in the drywall right yeah and so then the next scene is him calling sam and and he's like crying kind of on you know trying to hold back his tears about the cat dying and and her, her question is like well how's emma emma handling it his his wife and he's like well she left me <laughs> it's just like the way he says it and then he starts breaking down she's like oh are you crying he's like no i'm just really mucusy right now (laughs) in all fairness i think i would have to leave my boyfriend if he let my cat get eaten and electrocuted (laughs) in in drywall i would be pretty pissed too fair enough fair 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 enough can we just quickly talk about david arquette i was gonna just bring up mr squinty eyes Mr. Squinty-eyed Arquette. <laughs> he is so such handsome. a lovable goofball. I Yes, I just like sometimes I forget how much of a lovable goofball he, he is. He is so sweet. Like, I just love I just can't so not see sweet. like in anything yes. to any role he's in and I feel like he was still yeah, like just just as innocent and like goofy in this movie as he was as like Dewey in Scream. Like, his facial expressions, like you said, Terry, his, like, squinty eye, but also his, like, amazing looks of, of, like, terror. He's so good at looking scared. I love the poster art for this. Like, he's making a great face in it. Oh, it's so good. And (laughs) I'm super attracted to him. Right? And he's hot now, too. Yeah. He's He's definitely aged on the fine wine. He truly has. Um, another favorite moment is when he's coming out of the, the mine with Gladys on the back of his <laughs> motorbike and he just get, literally gets set on fire and they, like the explosion engulfs them and everyone's like, oh, fuck. And then they just come out totally fine. They're chill. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just chill. It's just so good. He's such a good protagonist. And I think he's perfect for horror comedies. Oh, he just absolutely. Is, again, yeah, he's such just- a goof. Yeah, he has that goofy quality for sure. And I love I love seeing him as the hero. Like he's always like that underdog kind of guy. And I I really appreciate it. <laughs> I just looked up at my screen poster and he's there watching me as I record this. Hello, yeah, he's Dewey. making Hello, sure David you're Arquette. saying good things only. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what you saying about me? You talking shit? No, I'm not. <laughs> Well, I I also loved him. With, I think the chemistry that he has with Carrie War 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 War. What I don't know how to say her last name. 
<laughs> Sam, I think the chemistry he has with the actress that plays Sam is phenomenal. I think they they definitely have this really good uh, arc between the two of them. And what I really kind of liked is the way that this film sort of subverts uh, gender roles where she is like, she's the sheriff. She's in control. She, even though uh, David Arquette uh, and Chris gets like this sort of final heroic savior moment of saving Aunt Gladys and whatnot, it is Sam throughout the entire movie that is sort of leading the charge and keeping people safe. And I think that that is, it's, it's really kind of cool to see uh David Arquette play in, in a way in some a lot of scenes sort of like second fiddle to her and also the way that he is presented as this kind of mopey shy guy and she is like sexually confident and very just confident in general I think is really I think is really interesting in this movie yeah especially at the very end when she, he, she he's like trying to stutter out his feelings and she's like I know what you did I know you love me. Your dad told me. Make it up to me later. And just kisses him. I'm like, God damn. That whole monologue where she's like, I know you beat up my ex because you found out he was cheating on me and you couldn't tell me because you didn't want to break up my family and you love me. You've always loved me. And if you had told me sooner, maybe your lives would be different. And he's like, yeah, that 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 about covers it. It's she's literally like, duh, exactly dude. It. I, I, have, I have known this. But also her like, you're telling me this now? Like, we are life or death this spider is going to eat everybody and this is when you decide to tell me <laughs> this uh i'm so glad you guys enjoyed it <laughs> yes thank you for bringing this to the pod um do we want to wrap this up and give it a rating out of five terry do you have any does anyone else have anything else they want to talk about i don't i feel like we covered a lot <laughs> seriously I could talk about this movie forever. I've decided. I don't know. Like, it's such a it's a horror comedy, but I'm like, there's so many things. Terry, how many chain smoking Aunt Gladys's out of five? Aunt Gladys. Do you give eight legged like freaks? For her, I would give it everything. I love her. I think <laughs> I would you know, die for Aunt Gladys. <laughs> you know, I think Eileen Ryan, like, I was looking through her filmography and I, she hasn't done a lot that I've seen, but she was in parenthood back in the late 80s and then i remember her in particular as the grandma in feast and i believe it's been a while since i've seen that movie but i believe she's playing a very similar character to mm. uh gladys in this movie so i, I kind of think that she's kind of known for this sort of like wise wise sassing you know grandma that's like chain smoking <laughs> and i i love that for her i love those kind of character actors that just sort of like are do that part and do it so well even though they probably are getting typecast in that role so i think this movie I think Eight Legged Freaks is a is a fantastic entry in like the horror comedy creature feature subgenre. I think that it, it it like Tremors before it it sort of is a perfect blend of hilarious characters and horrific creatures and some really horrific ideas if you think about it with like some fantastic action and a lot of heart that brings to mind those kind of those kind of classics that I grew up on in the 80s or even further with like the sort of sci-fi giant insect movies of the 50s I I think this movie is fantastic. I think it's funny. I will. I have a qualm. I have a qualm because I okay. do not think that these people could survive as long as they did in a mine that has methane gas. <laughs> I don't think well. about it too that hard. Is a good point. <laughs> I have an issue with the fact that they are seemingly breathing 
okay in this mind that is so flammable that a pack of matches causes the whole thing to explode. <laughs> that is a little problematic for me. I know. They didn't even try to give them gas masks or no, anything. Uh... No. No. Like methane's fine. It'll just explode. It's fine. No worries. <laughs> But, you know, that little quibble side, I think this movie is is fantastic. And I would happily give it, um, I think, mm, I think four, uh, mm-hmm. I think four chain smoking Aunt Gladys's. I feel like uh, four sounds appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mary Beth? I will also give it four chain smoking Aunt Gladys's out of five. This is such... I think it's one of the best horror comedies I've seen. I love the combination of gore and just all that ridiculousness. The The ensemble cast is hilarious. And I just love the absolute dedication to making an homage to creature horror creature features, but making it in a 2002 context and also making it still relevant and amazing to watch today. So once again, Carly... Thank you for having me finally watch this. It was such a fun ride. Can we like give a shout out to the score really quickly? The score is phenomenal. Oh my God. The score was really beautiful. Right? I thought at one point they were playing a dramatic orchestral version of the Itsy Bitsy oh, they Spider. Were. Oh, they and were. And I was like, what the fuck? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, there's like a rendition of the Itsy Bitsy Spider that's like incorporated into the theme that comes yep. up. I think pretty much every time there's a kill. Yeah, and then also, a spider attack. I have to talk about the fucking credit song because I literally <laughs> was dying when those credits started rolling. It's like yep. this alt punk rendition <laughs> of itsy bitsy spider like it's so ridiculous it (laughs) i love i mean i'm sure you guys saw it in camp calypso but i love like like doing i don't know like renditions of a popular song in like a really weird style as like the end credits song it's always something that i pay attention to yeah and i loved i loved the way that they um redid it for those credits it's so right it's so good so carly you have the final word how many chains looking at gladys's out of five do you give eight-legged freaks i think i'm also gonna give it four because i cool uh also think that this is a perfect blend of horror and comedy i love all of the different references to old B-movies from the 1950s. However, I do have some problems with, uh, like, the representation of uh, the Black character Harlan and mm-hmm. just um, some of the maybe not-so-PC kind of early 2000s raunch that was, you know, very popular during that time. But I yeah. love David Arquette, I love Scarlett Johansson, and I love green goo so (laughs) i think four out of five uh chain smoking aunt gladys's for me put that on the poster i love green goo i love green (laughs) four out of five (laughs) i love it (laughs) i love it well thank you so much carly for for making me watch this again and reminding me how much of a blast this movie is uh so where can our listeners find you and what do you have coming up that you can share yeah so um if you want to keep up on any fun film projects that I will be working on throughout this year. Um, You can just go ahead and follow me on Instagram or on Twitter. 
at Carly-Boone. And if you want to keep up with um, my film collective, Monstrous Femme Films, um, we're always putting out fun content. We're trying to do some more roundtables with other um, horror creatives and filmmakers. Um, so if you want to keep up with all of that kind of stuff that we're doing over there, uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Monstrous Femme Films, and you can follow us on Twitter at Monstrous-Femme. And I know I know that you um, sent us a screener. Is, is Camp Clip so readily available, or will it become readily available for people to see? Does it have any plans? Yeah, so we're hoping to also get it distributed through Alter like we did oh, with good. Fanatico. Um, I'm, we haven't really made any, uh, we haven't like reached out to them yet about uh, trying to get it released, but I think probably early spring, or late spring, maybe early summer, it'll finally be public. Um, so yeah, keep a lookout for that in the coming months. Amazing. So listeners, you have heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Um, what was your experience with Eight-Legged Freaks? You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm a Gaily Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you to everyone for listening. Stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.